We're glad you've joined us on Songs of Praise, an hour of musical reflection to encourage your heart. Spend 
Trust.
Tell me the story of Jesus Write on my heart every word Tell me the story most precious Sweetest that ever was heard Tell how the angels in chorus sang as they welcomed his birth Glory to God in the No storm can hide that peaceful radiance beaming. 
Since Jesus came to seek and save the lost, give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and law combining, till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible when my heart is broken, when sin and grief have filled my soul with fear. Give me the precious words by Jesus spoken, hold a face lamp to show my Savior near. Give me the Bible, holy message shining, thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combining, till night shall vanish in eternal day. Give me the Bible, all my steps enlighten, teach me the danger of these realms below, that lamp of safety o'er the gloom shall brighten, that light alone the path of peace can show. Give me the Bible, holy message shining. Thy light shall guide me in the narrow way. Precept and promise, law and love combine. Till night shall vanish in eternal day. We hope you're enjoying Songs of Praise. Here's some more inspirational music.
Songs of Praise continues with more inspirational music.
Every soul 
little stain I chose I'm wretched, ashamed and broken There are no facades I'm done running from Wash all my sins away. 
desire to encourage and uplift your thoughts to our loving Creator God.
exchange it someday for a crown.
Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. All ye who hear, now to His temple draw near. Join me in glad adoration, adoration. Praise ye the Lord. of his mercy did shave of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin? Taking away my burden, setting my spirit free, for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus, grace of Jesus Deeper than the mighty rolling sea, the rolling sea. Higher than the devil's grace And all sufficient grace for even me, for even me Broader than the scope of my transgression Sing is greater far than all my sin and shame Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus Grace his name Wonderful grace of Jesus, reaching the most divine. By its transforming power, making him God's dear child. Purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity. And the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Wonderful the matchless grace of matchless grace of Jesus Deeper than the mighty rolling sea the rolling sea Broader than the scope of my transgression, seeing is greater far than all my sin and shame. Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus, praise his name.
Jesus Christ. 
regrets and mistakes Comes a day there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Oh come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh what a Savior Isn't He wonderful Sing hallelujah Christ is Join us again next time on Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio, to enjoy more uplifting music. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. The Lord's Vineyard This chapter is based on Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 to 44. The Jewish Nation The parable of the two sons was followed by the parable of the vineyard. In the one, Christ had set before the Jewish teachers the importance of obedience. In the other, he pointed to the rich blessings bestowed upon Israel, and in these showed God's claim to their obedience. He set before them the glory of God's purpose, which through obedience they might have fulfilled. Withdrawing the veil from the future, he showed how, by failure to fulfill his purpose, the whole nation was forfeiting his blessing and bringing ruin upon itself. 
There was a certain householder, Christ said, which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about, and digged a winepress in it, and built a tower, and let it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. A description of this vineyard is given by the prophet Isaiah. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it, and gathered out the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes. Isaiah 5 verses 1 and 2. The husbandman chooses a piece of land from the wilderness. He fences, clears, and tills it, and plants it with choice vines expecting a rich harvest. This plot of ground, in its superiority to the uncultivated waste, he expects to do him honour by showing the results of his care and toil in its cultivation. So God had chosen a people from the world to be trained and educated by Christ. The prophet says, The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. Isaiah 5 verse 7 Upon this people God had bestowed great privileges, blessing them richly from his abundant goodness. He looked for them to honour him by yielding fruit. They were to reveal the principles of his kingdom. In the midst of a fallen, wicked world, they were to represent the character of God. As the Lord's vineyard, they were to produce fruit altogether different from that of the heathen nations. These idolatrous people had given themselves up to work wickedness, violence and crime, greed, oppression, and the most corrupt practices were indulged without restraint. Iniquity, degradation, and misery were the fruits of the corrupt tree. In marked contrast was to be the fruit born on the vine of God's planting. It was the privilege of the Jewish nation to represent the character of God as it had been revealed to Moses. In answer to the prayer of Moses, Show me thy glory, the Lord promised, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Exodus 33, verses 18 and 19. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. This was the fruit that God desired from his people, in the purity of their characters, in the holiness of their lives, in their mercy and loving kindness and compassion, they were to show that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Psalm 19, verse 7. Through the Jewish nation, it was God's purpose to impart rich blessings to all peoples. Through Israel, the way was to be prepared for the diffusion of his light to the whole world. The nations of the world through following corrupt practices, had lost the knowledge of God. Yet in his mercy, God did not blot them out of existence. He purposed to give them opportunity for becoming acquainted with him through his church. He designed that the principles revealed through his people should be the means of restoring the moral image of God in man. It was for the accomplishment of this purpose that God called Abraham out from his idolatrous kindred and bade him dwell in the land of Canaan. I will make of thee a great nation, he said, 
and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Genesis 12, verse 2. The descendants of Abraham, Jacob, and his posterity were brought down to Egypt that in the midst of that great and wicked nation they might reveal the principles of God's kingdom. The integrity of Joseph and his wonderful work in preserving the lives of the whole Egyptian people were a representation of the life of Christ. Moses and many others were witnesses for God. In bringing forth Israel from Egypt, the Lord again manifested his power and his mercy, his wonderful works in their deliverance from bondage, and his dealings with them in their travels through the wilderness, were not for their benefit alone. These were to be as an object lesson to the surrounding nations. The Lord revealed himself as a God above all human authority and greatness. The signs and wonders he wrought in behalf of his people showed his power over nature and over the greatest of those who worship nature. God went through the proud land of Egypt, as he will go through the earth in the last days, with fire and tempest, earthquake and death, the great I Am redeemed his people. He took them out of the land of bondage. He led them through the great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought. Deuteronomy 8 verse 15. He brought them forth water out of the rock of flint and fed them with the corn of heaven. Psalm 78 verse 24. For, said Moses, the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Deuteronomy 32 verses 9 to 12. Thus he brought them unto himself, that they might dwell as under the shadow of the Most High. Christ was the leader of the children of Israel in their wilderness wanderings. Enshrouded in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, he led and guided them. He preserved them from the perils of the wilderness. He brought them into the land of promise, and in the sight of all the nations that acknowledged not God, he established Israel as his own chosen possession, the Lord's vineyard. To this people were committed the oracles of God. They were hedged about by the precepts of his law, the everlasting principles of truth, justice, and purity. Obedience to these principles was to be their protection, for it would save them from destroying themselves by sinful practices. And as the tower in the vineyard, God placed in the midst of the land his holy temple. Christ was their instructor. As he had been with them in the wilderness, so he was still to be their teacher and guide. In the tabernacle and the temple, his glory dwelt in the holy Shekinah above the mercy seat. In their behalf, he constantly manifested the riches of his love and patience. God desired to make of his people Israel a praise and a glory. Every spiritual advantage was given them. God withheld from them nothing favorable to the formation of character that would make them representatives of himself. Their obedience to the law of God would make them marvels of prosperity before the nations of the world. 
He who could give them wisdom and skill in all cunning work would continue to be their teacher and would ennoble and elevate them through obedience to his laws. If obedient, they would be preserved from the diseases that afflicted other nations and would be blessed with vigor of intellect. The glory of God, his majesty and power were to be revealed in all their prosperity. They were to be a kingdom of priests and princes. God furnished them with every facility for becoming the greatest nation on the earth. In the most definite manner, Christ through Moses had set before them God's purpose and had made plain the terms of their prosperity. Thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, he said. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments, and the statutes, and the judgments, which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments, and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant, and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. And he will love thee, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, and the fruit of thy land, thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil, the increase of thy kine, and the flocks of thy sheep, in the land which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people, and the Lord will take away from thee all sickness, and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6, 9, and 11 to 15. If they would keep his commandments, God promised to give them the finest of the wheat and bring them honey out of the rock. With long life would he satisfy them and show them his salvation. Through disobedience to God, Adam and Eve had lost Eden, and because of sin the whole earth was cursed. But if God's people followed his instruction, their land would be restored to fertility and beauty. God himself gave them directions in regard to the culture of the soil, and they were to cooperate with him in its restoration. Thus the whole land under God's control would become an object lesson of spiritual truth. As in obedience to his natural laws the earth should produce its treasures, so in obedience to his moral law the hearts of the people were to reflect the attributes of his character. Even the heathen would recognize the superiority of those who served and worshipped the living God. Behold, said Moses, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore, and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great, who hath God so nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Deuteronomy 4, verses 5 to 8. The children of Israel were to occupy all the territory which God appointed them. Those nations that rejected the worship and service of the true God were to be dispossessed. 
But it was God's purpose that by the revelation of his character through Israel, men should be drawn unto him. To all the world the gospel invitation was to be given. Through the teaching of the sacrificial service, Christ was to be uplifted before the nations, and all who would look unto him should live. All who, like Rahab the Canaanite, and Ruth the Moabitess, turned from idolatry to the worship of the true God, were to unite themselves with his chosen people. As the numbers of Israel increased, they were to enlarge their borders until their kingdom should embrace the world. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. short presentation on the history of the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. George Wishart was now dead, but the story was not over. Shortly after his death, some of his friends gained entry to the castle and took Cardinal Beaton captive. They put him as a prisoner here in the Sea Tower, the same place where John Knox commented that many of God's children had been imprisoned for their faith. Some of Cardinal Beaton's friends then tried to dig a tunnel under the wall, which can be seen to this day, but they were unsuccessful. Cardinal Beaton was then killed and hung out the window of this tower while they had the first Protestant church service in Scotland here in St. Andrew's Castle. Not everything the reformers did in the past is to be imitated or was right. Ultimately, we are to look to Jesus as our example in all things. John Knox would later join these believers and was here in the castle when he was captured by the French Navy. Along with some others, he was sentenced to work as a galley slave and did this for 19 months. Then he was released. No one really knows why, because it was not normal custom to release a galley slave, but providence must have been in his favor. He returned to Scotland, but soon after he went to England, where he spent some time with Thomas Cramner, Archbishop of Canterbury, and then he also went to Berwick-upon-Tweed, where he preached and ministered there. Soon after Mary, a staunch Catholic, came to the throne in 1553, he left Britain and went to Europe, where he settled for several years in Switzerland. He spent time with John Calvin, and this powerful reformer, Calvin, would have a huge impact on his life, on his theology, and on the reforms that he would later lead here in the country of Scotland. In 
1559, he returned here to Scotland, this time for good, and took over as the minister here in St. Giles Cathedral, becoming its first Protestant minister. Whilst here, they abolished the mass and repudiated papal jurisdiction. As well as preaching, he was also instrumental in writing some important documents that helped to frame the church. He, along with five other men, incidentally all named John, wrote the Scots Confession of Faith, which explained what the church believes, and the Book of Common Order, which replaced the prayer book and was officially adopted by the church in 1560. Despite the fact that he traveled extensively throughout his life to different parts of Britain and Europe, he always maintained a deep passion for Scotland, famously saying once, give me Scotland or I die. He always kept in his mind his home country, a place that had been laid upon his heart. I remember once as a young minister being told, your calling is where your burden lies. Maybe today you find yourself in a place, a town or a country that's not the exact place that the Lord has called you to minister. Stay faithful to him, work where you are and pray that the Lord would open doors to minister where your burden truly lies. For John Knox, that was Scotland, his homeland. For you, it may not be your hometown or your home country, but it may be a far off foreign mission land. Wherever it is, be faithful to God and follow as he leads. To view more episodes in this series on the Reformation, go to lineagejourney.com.